All right. Welcome to Single-Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. I'm a uh, writer and a podcaster. I have another podcast called Blocked and Reported that I co-host with uh, Katie Herzog. Uh, newsletter, other stuff. Uh, I do some things. Um, I'm coming at you from the Bay Area where it's very beautiful. I do not want to go back to New York. The mountains here are nice. I'm going to go on a little hike after this. You can just walk to incredible nature here in a way you really can't in other places in the country I'm more familiar with. I just want to do a, a very quick spiel before I take your questions. Uh, feel free to get in the queue now if you have any questions about everything. This is going to be pretty free form. It's also probably not going to be much longer than a half hour just because I've got some other stuff to do today. But um, you can ask me whatever you want. Um, hopefully, many of you are not familiar with Milo Yiannopoulos, who is this sort of like far-right troll and provocateur. Um uh, I try not to like spend too much time responding to single tweets or single tweet storms, but this is something that's really bugged me for a while. Osita Nwanavu sort of quote retweeted something about the fifth anniversary of these riots at Berkeley, not far from where I am now. And he basically said that, that it was a sarcastic remark, but what he was saying is that the rioting and the attempts to deplatform Milo Yiannopoulos worked. At the time, people would freak out because he would go on stage and just do this very microwave shock jock show about how feminists are stupid and Muslims are terrorists. And people were not good at not rising to the bait. And in Berkeley, there were legit riots. And people have been saying ever since then that sort of direct action worked, the deplatforming worked. But anyone who follows this closely knows that it's not true. Two things happened that actually caused Milo to, to – sort of decline from being a rising conservative star to someone hopefully many of you haven't heard of. One was that uh, a moderate Republican group, I think it was called the Reagan Battalion, recirculated uh, an appearance he did where he basically said that for some gay men, uh, when they were very young, relationships with older men weren't harmful. I, I think people... I'm not going to speak for gay men. I think this is like, I think some gay men would actually agree. Like this was sort of the 50th most offensive thing he'd said, but because we're talking about conservatives, they quickly denounced him. The Mercer family, which has billions of dollars withdrew their support from him uh, in part because of that. The, the other big thing was that Joe Bernstein at Buzzfeed ran a big expose showing that behind the scenes, Milo had really been, interacting with and taking editorial guidance from actual white not, uh, nationalists and Nazis. Most of his shtick on stage, as I argued at the time, was was really like you could have heard it from any trap time conservative shock jock. It was not, for the most part, beyond the pale. But he his emails were beyond the pale, the sorts of people he was associating with. So that really put the nail in the support he'd gotten from right-wing figures like the Mercers. And I, I just – it. I, it amazes me that to this day, people think that rioting over Milo Yiannopoulos isn't exactly what people like Milo and institutions like Breitbart want. That's what I wrote at the time. I still believe it. I think nothing helps these guys more than sort of responding emotionally to what they do and trying to shut them down. There's obviously some like more complicated examples of this. Like if you take Alex Jones off of YouTube – <clears throat> excuse me, or Twitter, it obviously reduces his reach. And I'm not opposed to certain um, sort of on the margins instances of doing that. Because I think at a certain point, YouTube is a private company. They don't want to host someone saying Sandy Hoax was a Sandy Hook was a hoax. But in cases like Milo, it just seems to so counterproductive and, and to backfire in such a 
obvious way that um, I think some people are just so committed to the idea of deplatforming, and in some cases, things like rioting. And and I was just surprised Osito would say this, given that he surely knows better. But that's all I got in terms of that rant. We only have a queue, so others should jump in. We will start with Patrick. Patrick. Hey, Jesse. Hope you're doing well on this uh, Friday afternoon. Thank you. I am. Uh, uh, as a gay man, I would kind of say on like the Milo thing, I definitely think you were 100% right. I don't think deplatforming him is what killed him. I think that with conservatives, they are kind of more accepting of gays recently. I know that there's a whole kind of on Twitter, like a dirtbag right emerging with that has some like gay voices in it, like the perfume nationalist. And like other uh, kind of things along that line, uh, but they're conservative. But even still, I would say that they're not like 100% based with that. And I think it's probably a delicate tightrope of where a group that has historically not been that kind for you, once you kind of get out of line with the lockstep of the rest of the group, they'll turn on you in an instant. My my sense is, I mean, the Republican Party. I, I one of the things that made me realize I. I couldn't stand the Republican Party was just the scaremongering over gay marriage and the aughts and prior. And my sense was on a lot of social and sort of morals issues, there had been a lull in the Republican Party. They'd sort of turned away a particularly homophobic president. The one exception is, I think, on some of the trans stuff, they sense an opening there and are trying to lean hard in culture war and policy battles. No, I definitely agree with that. Like, like, I do think there are criticisms of kind of like trans activism that are kind of founded. And I think you guys uh, touched on it before on the podcast, other kind of stuff. But I do think that the right is kind of using it as a wedge issue, which uh, I know you guys have talked about it, expressed like kind of trepidation about it before. It's one of those things of like, uh, I want to be able to criticize my own party without giving fodder to kind of a political party that has different uh, end goals than what I would like to see happen in the world. But at the same point, though, that doesn't. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, at the, at the risk of tokenizing you, and, and you can feel free not to answer this, did, how offensive did you find the Milo comments um, about sort of relationships between older and younger gay men? Uh, so I actually know uh, younger gay men, like 15, 16-year-old like people I went to college with who had older partners. Uh, I think even they would say that they're kind of conflicted about it, like at the time, especially yeah. especially back in the olden days when like kind of this stuff happened, when a lot of like being out wasn't as like commonly accepted. You didn't really have too many role models that you could use, so you were looking for older men for that kind of guidance. I think a problem with that is where the kind of the uncomfort what comes from is the fact that uh, the older men can be want to like kind of groom you, not in a pejorative sense that it has a negative connotation, but grooming was basically the idea that you were kind of forming a sexual relationship to kind of teach a younger person about the ways of the world. It lasts yeah. for a little while until the relationship ends. Then you have like a more fully formed gay person who can go out into the world. So at the same, but it is a little bit tricky though, because of the different kind of sexual politics. And I would definitely say that there are, older creepier people out there so I, I don't necessarily know that he's entirely wrong but uh yeah. i don't like i wouldn't cancel him over that but i definitely think it's something that's more debatable i do think that whenever you're kind of talking with something that involves minors people have such a hair trigger about it and their brains kind of freeze where it's like yeah. Our babies don't talk you're, about them kind of the thing. but uh, i don't know like well i think like, you know me, like yeah, the idea the idea of like a 15 year 
I'm sorry, the idea of a 15-year-old being like involved with an older man is obviously very gross, but I think as you're saying, it was sort of a symptom of a time when the 15-year-old couldn't just like go to the Gay Straight Alliance and hang out with other gay kids. Like they probably didn't have a lot of other options for how to hang out with other gay people and, and figure out what that community was about, right? Yeah, and I don't know how common it is anymore. Like uh, back in those days, the websites for it, and this is all pre-Grinder, were like Manhunt, other stuff, like free Craigslist type stuff that where people would go to like kind of find it. So it had kind of a seedy nature to it even then, which is why people are kind of uncomfortable about it. But it's even kind of similar where uh, it's like one thing that like people lament, especially in the Bay Area, is kind of the fall of like hookup culture in the park. Uh, back in the day, like people would go try to like uh, go to bathrooms, public places like that uh, to cruise for sex. And then there were crackdowns by by the police because – Granted, people don't really want to go to public places and see other people fornicating uh, unless you're paying for to see that kind of thing. So uh, it's just kind of kind of changing of culture. And you do have some of these kind of older people who kind of romanticize it. Like, I don't know about Milo himself. Like, it's possible he might have been in one of those types of relationships when he was younger. So I, I can understand where yeah. that kind of thing is coming from. Uh yeah, I think I, I sort of seized the reins of this conversation. Was there anything else you wanted to say or any other questions? I didn't mean to do that. Oh, no. Uh, that's pretty much about it. Uh, the only other thing I would ask is, uh, do you have any kind of uh, good book recommendations? Uh, I'm trying to find a new book to add to my list. Oh, God. I am I am so behind on reading, and I'm actually about to set myself a pretty strict quota for the next year, which is pathetic, but that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm about to read... Um, I have like on my plate the Attention Merchants by Tim Wu and who uh, who gets what and why by the um, economist Alvin Roth. But I'm I have just a pile of books back in my apartment I need to get to. So uh, yeah, it's pathetic how little I've read lately. But I'm going to try to turn the tide on that. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Patrick. Chewy, what's up? Hello. Um, I had a question that I was going to ask up front, but. Um... If you don't mind, I'm going to put a pause on it with a little commentary about this last discussion. Sure. And then come to it. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Go for it. Um, a, wasn't the Milo comment, uh, com, uh, Milo um, comments like a decade ago? Yeah, it was, it was definitely not recent. Let me... Um... And wasn't it as much trolling as anything else? Um, I thought because I thought he was I, saying I'll, it in I'll earnest. Tell you, I'll, tell you, just... I'll tell you. I I'll tell you. I I remember it as a gay growing up at that time. That Milo was and is a troll, and yeah. what ended up happening was that he crossed a troll line. Right, like what he said was trolling. It had a a spark of truth to it, and the spark of truth to it is yeah. that gay relationships, you know, at the time that he said it, let's just, let's just assume that it's a decade. Let's just say it. And you tell me when you find it, um, if, if that's about right, is that this was accurate, right? That gay relationships um, previously had a lot of age disparities. They still do in really positive ways, right? Um, 15 years old is in, I think any of the decades, a line crossed, um, but there was still a reasonable amount of if you're a 15 year old growing up in a small place like I did, 
and, and you happen to have a relationship with a person who is like in their 20s, you you like it was a it's, it's a very complicated thing. Right. I just feel like what Milo was doing was trolling. It was a decade ago. And I don't think that it really has a good um, a good emphasis on what we should think now about what he said then. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought he wasn't – it seemed like he was saying it in earnest, and then he doubled down. I'm looking at a Guardian article I did when he was like sort of in defensive mode. I did say there are relationships between younger men and older men that can help a, gay, a young gay man escape from a lack of support or understanding at home. That's perfectly true, and every gay man knows it. But I was not talking about anything illegal, and I was not referring to prepubescent boys. But part of the challenge here is like half the time – or more than half the time, he is trolling. So, like, yeah, uh... I think it's. I mean, I think with Miley Yiannopoulos, it is hard to take him seriously as anything but ninety-five percent trolling. I just don't think. I just don't think it's reasonable. I mean, I, I, I don't know. In this case, it's actually hard to tell. I think there's a part of it. I think he's both being provocative. Let's let's actually not say trolling, right? Let's say he's trying to be provocative, right? Yeah, and say a truth within provocation. Um, that doesn't necessarily like move within to the common era, the now era. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is it is hard to s- sort of in the decades since he said that take anything about Milo Yiannopoulos as anything we should talk about now. Yeah, I really think. Right. I don't That's even true. think. I really don't even think we should consider any of his past statements in the now era because when he was coming up. It was provocation slash trolling. So there was truth as a part of that. Um, there has been so much in gay history. Uh, um, you know, like I, when the, like the first time that I had sex was at 23 years old in like tiny town, Idaho with the person who was 45 years old. And that was great. That was fine. Right. And there was very much this age disparity, but it was okay. And, and that was of age. Um, but I wouldn't, judge anybody who had been 17, 16, 15, honestly, who had had sex with somebody in their 20s, right? Because of yeah. place and time. I just, I don't, I don't think that Milo Yiannopoulos is a good person to talk to in this discussion because there's too much complication to really take him as a synecdoche of anything. Yeah. Um, so I, this was not even anywhere near my question. This is like the comment <laughs> that I had about this um, God, what was even my question? <laughs> God damn it! I no, I can understand way. why people have strong feelings about this. I didn't mean to just like wander us into um, an area where I, I don't know a lot about it, but I'm obviously well, you... curious to hear what uh, gay male listeners think about it. Well, <laughs> the thing that I was going to say is like Jesse, why something? Oh, God damn it! Well, if I remember it, and I you can always get back in the queue. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Joey. Blue, what is up? Hello, am I on? You are on. How's it going? Oh, wow, I'm doing well. Uh, huge fan of the show. Um, yeah, just to comment on like book recommendations regarding actually the Milo situation. I was actually reading a book a few years ago on the Peter Thiel Gawker story by Ryan Holiday. They actually talk about uh, one of the uh, some girl who I guess helped dredge, mm-hmm. uh, dredge up that uh, story. It was a really good book. Uh, it just talked about like uh, everything that Peter Thiel went through to kind of go through that ordeal. Um, anyways, I guess my question is, uh, 
uh, John Stewart apparently spoke on, uh, to, I guess, over the past day or two about like the Joe Rogan situation, and it's kind of relating to your situation regarding deplatforming and engagement. I, I wasn't sure if that's too off topic. Uh, no, no, go for it. He, yeah, he said apparently he thought he was had a kind of a, that traditional lib, old school liberal view of don't try to remove conversation, uh, try to engage it with more speech. And pe- people were talking about, I guess, how people, uh, some individuals never forgave him for some of the people he had on his show. If I recall correctly, he had some uh, doctor, maybe uh, some anti-vax doctor, like in the 2000s or something, and brought it to the mainstream. I, I can't remember the specifics. I, al- I know he also had an intelligent design guy, so people he would not necessarily agree with. Uh, and he would just sometimes confront them. Some people, I guess, criticize him for not going harder against him. Uh, I don't know. I was just thought on uh, the argument of deplatforming versus engaging uh, bad speech with more speech or misinformed speech with more speech. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. It, I disagree with the idea that that will always lead to the quote unquote right ideas winning out. Um, my mm-hmm. free speech views aren't. I think the process is a lot more complicated than that, and you can see like context where quote unquote bad or wrong ideas survive thousands of years i i basically just don't trust authorities to make this decision the right way and i want to give them as little power as possible to do so and i also of course am influenced from my own experiences like writing what i think are well-founded pieces and well-reported pieces uh where no one can figure out a factual problem with them and people demanding that i lose my job over them or that i not be allowed to write in mainstream places. I just think people will always abuse this power to shut other people down. Yeah. I mean, you're preaching to the choir and uh, regarding the comments from my Linopolis, he was had his pageantry. Now I'm so, honestly surprised. I see him ev- up every now and then it just seems like he's throwing whatever at the wall. He can st- see what sticks. It's, Kind of sad at this point, but that's different. oh the Milo thing for sure. Yeah, he's going like the ex gay route. It's it's really weird. But he he was uh, like yeah. Sorry, go ahead. no no no. That that was pretty much it. I was just like yeah. It, it's not it's not 2017 anymore, dude. <laughs> anyways, I know. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I'll let the next guy get online. Uh, yeah, he's just uh, like sort of guys. desperately trying to get people to. Uh... Yeah, I'll like it. Thank you. Hey, Colin, can you hear me? Hi, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Good, how you doing? Good. Um, so I really wish I wasn't the guy that habitually calls in and defends Alex Jones, but I promise it's the last time I'm going to do it. I swear <laughs> I'm not an Alex Jones fan. Um, That's fine. Uh, but I'm going to I'm I'm just going to hammer you this this one last time cuz I I really don't think there's a principle that allows for Alex Jones to sort of be marginalized and, and deplatformed other than like Alex Jones is bad. So it's okay with him. And I, the, what kind of gives me clarity of, of thinking about this is like, if I were Ira Glasser, what would I think of an argument to sort of trying to silence Alex Jones, especially when Jones isn't, even like an avowed Nazi, like the uh, guys in Skokie who 
Ira defended, and I really just I, I don't I, I understand the impulse because Jones has pushed, and I'm sure continues to push some crazy things, but I I don't agree that there's a a principled free speech stance to take where you can't also defend Alex Jones because of of your personal feelings about him. Well, I mean, I think it's if the question is should the government go after Alex Jones, I disagree with that. I just maybe I'm I'm trying to take a sort of realist account where at a certain point a private platform that ability and the right to say we don't want certain people is going to look at your behavior and say it's so abhorrent we don't want you to use YouTube or whatever to spread your views. And I, I think I'm not a fundamentalist on the question of whether private outlets have to platform people, basically. And in his case, I just think what he's done is so bad and so wrong that, um, you know, in particular, that I... I guess I'm just cool with it. And maybe that means I don't have a – it's actually hard to come up with – except at the extremes of like anyone can ban anything for any reason or no one can ban anything for any reason. It's hard to come up with like coherent principles that will always work for these questions of private platforms. But I, I just – I don't know. I just think he, he's crossed so many lines in such an egregious way that I, I, I'm okay with him being banned. Maybe that makes me incoherent. Yeah, I mean I, I, I understand the impulse. I just – I feel and and the private platform versus um, government censorship is is kind of a kind of a square dance that we do, which is it's, it's kind of like a new argument because these private platforms are sort of a new thing. Um, the, the last time we had this ability to communicate with each other so seamlessly was like the invention of the phone. Yeah. And, and now we have the Internet and we're trying to work out like <clears throat> what is a utility and what is a private company just doing what private companies have always been allowed to do. What, but, what, what would your, be, your view be of actual Nazis on YouTube? Actual Nazis on YouTube? Yeah. Mm, I'd rather know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mean, because yeah. I, I, you know, it, it sucks, but I'd rather them be on there than not. I mean, there's, there's a downside for sure. But I think, you know, because there's some, I don't know about Nazis, but I know there's YouTube was used for radicalization to, to you know, some of the fundamentalist Islam kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that happens in, in other kind of crazy circles, too. So it is a double-edged sword. But if, if I have to choose between... Uh, I'm kind of with John Stewart. If I'm choosing between more speech or curtailing speech, I'm going to choose the more speech. And you know, people are impressionable, but I'd rather I'd rather know who who these people are and yeah. what their views are. I mean, like, I wrote I, I I basically argued we don't know for sure the effects of deplatforming. It wouldn't shock me if deplatforming Nazis, like a subset of people, will then like go find other outlets for their rage but the really radical people will go further underground and be be harder to track but i i don't i think anyone who claims to know exactly the effect these policy choices has isn't being honest because i think it's very complicated yeah it is very complicated but like in the jones case uh alex jones didn't go away 
He's he's still got his website and he's got loyal followers. You know, I do think he has I, way I, less of, of a reach. I do, but uh, but there are trade offs there. Yeah, I mean, I first found out about him because in every stop sign in my town there were there were bumper stickers that said Infowars.com. you know right that's direct action what that meant yeah so Uh, it gets out you know unless you do the government censorship thing which i don't think any of us in this room probably have the stomach for i definitely do not want that uh thank you for the call colin i gotta gotta think through my views on this more Ilya, how the hell did you get in here Ilya, i want to talk to you undo your mute yeah, this thing on. This, this is thing's off. Time. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I just want to make a very narrow point because I'm not sober enough to make a wider point. Excellent. My narrow point is that I disagree with the last guy because with Alex Jones, you have him going after very specific people like Sandy Hook parrots yeah. and sending enormous mobs of crazy people after them and making them literally go into hiding. So, I mean, if we can't agree on the fact that that is dangerous behavior that could actually get someone killed, then, I mean, what the fuck are we doing? I'm sorry. Like that, that's so is... extreme. Yeah. And individuals are being put at risk. And I really, I'm not in a position right now to think through the wider implications of, okay, so he endangers specific people. Does that mean he should be censored? Does that mean he should be deplatformed? Yeah. And I really think we haven't as a society really come to agree. What is the difference well, between those things? And is deplatforming, censorship or not i mean i don't think anyone actually has an answer to that question but on the very narrow issue of alex jones is a dangerous figure who endangers people's lives and their families i mean get that shit out of here i'm sorry can i can i um ask you to rant about something else since you're drunk (laughs) sure that we were dming just about some of the ukraine stuff and and you you I've found I've stayed out of the conversation because I know so little about it, but I've just found the takes on Ukraine so fucking stupid and just people trying to slot this very too broad, like imperialist versus anti-imperialist frame. I mean, what what should people think about the Ukraine situation? Very, very easy question to answer. Inebriated. Yeah, um, I think that with Ukraine, everybody is missing the what happened in 2014, which was a popular uprising against corruption, which really changed the trajectory of the country. And I think that is what's driving a lot of Putin's behavior, because he's seeing a country that is very similar to Russia in many ways, making a choice to um, try to reform itself and institute rule of law and institutions that actually work and move towards a European model. And so when I see any analysis about Ukraine that's merely says something like, but Putin's legitimate security interests NATO eastward expansion and NATO imperialism and doesn't, you know, I control F that article and I don't see the word Euromaidan in there, which is the, you know, 2014 revolution. That is not an analysis that is really reckoning what is happening on the ground. And um, Ukraine has sovereignty. Ukrainian people have the right, Ukraine, democratically elected Ukrainian government, which has had democratic transitions of power. um, They have chosen to integrate with the West, and that doesn't just mean NATO, that means, you know, get closer to the European Union, and they have the right to make that choice, and it is um, not cool for so-called progressives who are against imperialism to say that um, Russia in any way has the right to invalidate the choice they've made. And the last point I'll make on this, I mean, I could go on forever, but I won't, but the last point I'll make is that um, I think a lot of progressives are kind of stuck in Iraq war mode on this, and I saw... um, 
AOC, um, you know, had a tweet about this or like a small clip, you know, that she tweeted where she was talking about oil. And yeah, there is an energy, there's an energy component to this whole Russia problem. But the energy component is that Russia has the ability to blackmail Europe with, you know, cutting off gas supplies. But she was talking about it like something about, you know, we have to be careful. First, she's talking about the military industrial complex in the U.S. and how all the bad guys are going to profit from supplying arms to Ukraine. I'll leave that aside for now. And then she started talking about oil. And I really think that progressives, you know, you don't have to agree with U.S. foreign policy in every aspect or any aspect. But you need to understand that Ukrainians have agency and Russians have agency. It's not just America has agency as an evil hegemon and the world, rest of the world only is reacting to it. It's it's just so dumb because even knowing as little as I do, the difference between anything Iraq-related and what's going on here, I, I think some of it is people just don't like to accept the fact that there are shitty situations in the world that require difficult trade-offs and that not everything is like – it's like, what if both the U.S. and Russia have less than valorous foreign policy ambitions? It's not like there's any yeah. history to suggest that could be true. And I mean, yeah, like right wing and left. I mean, assholes of any political stripe can come to power in the U.S. and cause enormous damage. But people all over the world are the same human beings. You know, Russia has except for anything, Russians, they have different skulls. Any, They're slobs. Anything, anything, any progressive, like super, super progressive, hates about the United States, whether it be hetero patriarchy or, you know, late stage capitalism or whatever the latest buzzword is, take look at Russia and it's 10 times worse than that. So yeah. people just cannot acknowledge that like the same base human impulses that govern shitty politics in the U.S. can ever happen in any country, but the, any other country, but they absolutely do. Well, not only that, and in many ways, Russia and like Putin is less constrained by, by democracy and by countervailing liberal forces in Russia than any leader here is, right? Yeah, I mean, the way the way I explain Russia to people sometimes is I say, imagine if every channel you could see on TV was Fox News. Because that's what all that's what all the state channels are. And you can find alternative sources. It's not, you know, North Korea. You can go on the Internet. You can go on YouTube and find, you know, liberal bloggers and video bloggers and all kinds of people saying that, you know, Putin should be hung from the nearest lamppost. Um, you know, there's still enough freedom to do that. But the mainstream media that, you know, your grandmother in the village is watching is going to be any one of six variations of Fox News, which is all pro-Putin and against, you know, Western civilization that's trying to destroy Russia. So that's it's like a very kind of like extreme version of the nightmare, you know, GOP victory forever in the United States. So there's no reason to go to bat for Putin in the name of anti-imperialism. Except in this view, on the TV, Tucker Carlson is like some weird orthodox priest ranting about homosexuality right <laughs> dude it's russian tv man it's like some of the most i mean it makes tucker carlson look normal <laughs> i just thought of the simpsons I'll, I'll let you go after this but i could talk about the shit forever but the simpsons thing with worker and parasite <laughs> do you remember that <laughs> yeah, yeah, <cool. laughs> where, where, is this where does this come from it no longer exists <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right uh I miss you, dude. thank you for calling in Yep, I uh, I know Ilya from real life and had a very pleasant time visiting him in Sarajevo a few a few years ago. Chewy, what is up? You're likely the last caller. Yeah, no problem. Yep. I, I do remember last question. I just want to say it is so hard for me to not talk about how a died in the wool liberal can be all about real politic and say that we have no to defend Ukraine. Um, yeah. Anyway, I remembered my question, Jesse. Why are you always so tired? 
That's a really good question. Do I sound tired? Uh, I mean, every time you start the podcast, not this, I mean, it's not the Collins, but the podcast, like 75% of the time, you're so tired. And I just, I wonder because I'm like, well, why is this the view of the world that you have that you get exhausted by this thing? And you're laughing it off. <laughs> well, I think partly is I, I do have like chronic insomnia. Part of it's that. Mm-hmm. Part of it is over the last uh, two months, I've been traveling a shitload. So you're often hearing me. From this some like pre, no, this is pre your traveling. Oh, really? Like, I guess it's the insomnia. I'm just I've never been a good sleeper, and it uh, that's why I produce such low quality work on all fronts. <laughs> oh God, come on, come <laughs> on! Don't be self-effacing. I, I so I see your I'm so tired things as like a as like a uh, I'm exhausted by the ridiculousness of all these things, and I kind of like I have I, I have a wonder about that. Like I'm so tired, y'all. That sense. That sense. No, that's. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, why is that the world you have instead of shrugging off and joking off the the ridiculousness of the world? I don't know. I think it, I think it's more just genuine tiredness, and I yeah. feel. Uh, although I do feel less tired when I'm off of Twitter, but um, that's a good uh, question. Preach. Gonna... <laughs> thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. This was slightly disjointed in part because I was having some connection issues, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, as always, if you like this show, uh, tell other people about it. Uh, spread the word. Tell people to follow me and like me and send me huge uh, quantities of money and Russian rubles. Um, I am. I keep wanting to have more guests, and it's partly just a matter of how much travel I've had lately. I am going to settle into a routine of having more guests, and I've got some good ones in mind, so that'll be good. I might do a feature called Ask a Cop where you can talk to a cop about why he shoots so many unarmed people. So that'll be fun. Uh, very open to suggestions on the guest front. I don't want them to be the same five people who are interviewed on every podcast ever. So creative suggestions, very welcome. You can always message me or email me. Uh, but thank you guys very much for listening, and uh, I hope you have a good weekend. Bye.